This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. About a seven millimeter of shift in the structures of your brain is all it takes for you to see the injuries uh, and the effects of the lacerations or the nerve damage. I don't believe that there is any helmet out there, no matter how expensive it is, that's going to save a player from the from a seven millimeter impact. Back at it for another week. This is such an exciting episode because not only are we talking to a person uh, that actually knows what she's talking about. She's a doctor, just to let you in on the little surprise. She is here to educate us. Yeah, I'm excited to get uh, edumacated. Yes, we're here to get edumacated. <laughs> Mostly about brain injuries, which Lauren and I have both had our fair share of. Of course, <laughs> nothing to the extent of people actually playing contact sports. But I definitely think we can relate a little bit as far as the protocol goes when you're in a game. Uh, what the recovery is like, feeling the frustrations of not being able to return to your sport as quickly as you'd like, all the physical therapy that goes with it. Um, I remember with my last concussion, standing on a BOSU ball, throwing a medicine ball back and forth, having to say the ABCs backwards and forwards and count. Oh, it was it was so hard. Yeah, those things are ridiculous because I don't even think I could do that like in my best state of mind. Like regardless of what state of mind I'm in, I don't know if I could do that normally. So oh, there's so many different concussion, uh, concussion protocols out there and it's really, uh, it's so up to the professional involved giving it to you. So it's really interesting to hear from uh, someone who specifically studies concussions and taking her take on those protocols and things. Yeah. Well, Dr. Mansi Vakil is the PT joining us today on the show. She has such great insights to share with us. She wrote a book called Concussion and Sports, a great read for any parent or athlete, really gives parents an understanding of what they should look out for in their kids playing organized sports, because that's where it starts. It's not only the athletes exiting the professional sports world, dealing with the symptoms during retirement, but it's kids too. A lot of us suffered from concussions while growing up, and we just toughed it out because that's what we were taught or pass it off as a headache. Because we didn't know what they were. Right. There's so much ignorance out there and we have no idea what our brains are capable of and the impacts they can take and not take. So it was really interesting to hear that interview. I learned a lot of things. Yeah, she has so much knowledge to share with us, spends time traveling and educating schools and different programs across the country. As a physical therapist, she is ahead of the curve really in raising awareness and developing her own program for learning how to take care of your body not just after injury, but what to do to prevent right. it. Just like awareness in general, just from, yeah, just awareness. I think, again, people are super ignorant on the whole, everyone knows what a concussion is, but you never see the day-to-day little factors that come from a concussion, you know, and they can easily be pawned off to other uh, explanations, you know, like, oh, I have a headache, like, okay, I'm dehydrated. Uh, I'm irritable. Okay. Uh <laughs> I'm having a bad day, you know, so there's so many different little symptoms that people really have no idea that they're really coming from a traumatic brain injury. And what was really interesting is remember when she said that your brain only has to move seven millimeters for there to be any damage. 
Like that's nothing. I actually looked up what seven millimeters just so I could see like a, like a to scale. And it's like, what is it like an ant or a centipede? (laughs) It's like a little more than that, but it is very small. And I feel like I could easily go and like just shake the crap out of my head and get seven millimeters. No problem. So I don't know. Imagine. I don't (laughs) I know. And I come from a family where we like, play hard and do everything to the max. You know, my dad has had, I can't even tell you how many concussions my dad has had. Like I come downstairs. I just remember coming downstairs. Right, and you're told to play through them. Of course. Cause that you're just tough, you know, but like <laughs> you got to take that. If you're like kind of not with it, it's not because you're not tough, you know, it's because your brain is getting smashed and you have a chemical imbalance and there's nothing you can really do to out tough a concussion, you know? So when in doubt, sit it out. No, that is not a good motto. But yeah, for concussions, maybe. <laughs> you know, people are so ignorant and they don't even see that they have to live the rest of their life. And, you know, they'll maybe look back on on their life when they're 50 or 60 and been like, dang, I should have sat out because my brain was messed up. But like, you're not going to tell a 20, 15 year old kid, whatever, like you have a concussion, you need to sit out. Like to them, that's nothing, right? Because they're so ignorant about it. They have no idea. Yeah. Well, Nancy's going to lay out all the facts and scientific evidence for us of why we're saying the stuff we're saying right now. Uh, so you don't have to listen to us pretend to diagnose you. Right. Not just us rambling and <laughs> telling you stories, telling you stories of my father. When I come downstairs, you can't remember my name. He's like, uh, Caitlin, uh, Kelsey, uh, Riley. I'm like, that's her dog. So there's that. <laughs> and then my brother, my brother, he had to medically retire from college football because that dude is a freaking head hitter, just goes head hunting. Uh, he actually had to get a brain scan and the doctor was like, how many times have you blacked out? He's like, oh, <laughs> a three. <laughs> like, and it's like, dang, what are we doing to our kids, man? Like, are sports worth your life, you know? Oh my gosh. Yes, and maybe not. <laughs> Debatable. Yeah. And real quick before we get started, got to thank our friends at Quick Track for making this episode possible today. Quick Track is the first app of its kind. It's an easy to use mobile app that allows anyone to create contracts for anything you need. So for all you freelancers out there, listen up. QuickTrack is about to make your life so much easier. It lets you request amendments if the job changes along the way. You can get paid upon completion and it gives you a full freelance directory to advertise your own work. And as my own boss, QuickTrack is definitely my favorite app to use on my phone because it makes my job so much easier. Make everything official, protect your work, get it done. Go download the QuickTrack app right now in the App Store. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. All right, time for Mansi to take over the conversation. Yes. So uh, let's get into it with the doctor. much for joining me today. I am so excited to talk to somebody with your background who knows so much about concussion and sports. Well, thanks for having me as a guest. Yeah, obviously, this is so exciting. Um, You've authored Concussion and Sports. You're a physical therapist. A lot of things obviously drove you um, to this path of life. But tell me a little bit about your family life growing up and what got you to this point. So I grew up with a very large family back in Bombay and we were constantly in and out of each other's lives. Um, I watched my older cousins uh, play cricket and badminton. They were into all kinds of racket sports. 
but street cricket was actually the equivalent of uh, football, uh, you know, like street football that we see here in uh, America. Mm-hmm. So watching them play cricket and honestly, um, I had a vanilla kind of childhood. There was no major turning points uh, till I actually toyed with the idea of going to med school. Mm-hmm. But that quickly changed when uh, one of my cousins fractured his arm playing cricket and then the months of recovery uh, that went into uh, this, uh, the whole rehabilitation and how I watched him and his family navigate the whole recovery sort of made me, uh, you know, give the answer that, you know, I wanted to be a physical therapist instead. So that's really where the inspiration to be a PT came from. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, So once you moved to America, you did complete your education here, right? Right. So I did do my undergrad back home, but then I I did my post-graduation here from Pittsburgh, which is like one of the biggest centers that's now dealing with concussions and uh, vestibular rehabilitation. But then I also always had a penchant for research and clinical studies. So I pushed myself to do my doctorate after my post-graduation. Uh, and that actually really helped with this, uh, with, with authoring this book. Once you decided to start your practice, when was it that you really decided to hone in on treating athletes of injury and focusing on concussion work? So I was already part of an outpatient facility then. We were, we were always seeing a lot of athletes with you know the typical ACL injuries and ankle sprains and whatnot. But then I started seeing a lot of clueless parents that walked in with the uh, kids who were having just uh, probably just a headache or just uh, some dizziness uh, in addition to the other physical problems they had but it took it bothered me that you know they couldn't associate the headache or some of the dizziness or balance problems or the or the neck stiffness to probably a sport that the child is currently Mm. enrolled in I also was constantly in touch with a lot of sports physicians who were sort of on the same page with me about this. And they would see parents, uh, you know, bring their kids uh, with some vague symptoms and didn't know where they were stemming from. So that really got us worried. What were the vague symptoms that you would mostly recognize and know, oh, gosh, that's a concussion. This needs to, we need to get on this treatment now. Right. So the headaches and the, uh, the neck problems were pretty common. That's usually why any parent would think of bringing their child for physical therapy. But then as you do a little more uh, history taking and as you do a detailed evaluation, you would, uh, the parent might end up telling you the child has had some difficulty with, atten- you know, with his attention, uh, the child has had some sleep difficulties, the child has had some problems uh, solving his math problems or doing his homework, has poor appetite, um, uh, sometimes gets dizzy, uh, has poor balance. It was a whole big, wide uh, spectrum of uh, symptoms. Everybody came with something different because each case is unique. That's why it's so hard to diagnose. You know, we, we see this in children, but a lot of times we see this at an older age with so many athletes where they've had multiple concussions and it gets worse after each injury. So um, I know you said that there's an importance of biochemical correction. You mentioned that to me earlier, but but what is that? So biomechanical correction, what like people don't know what the term biomechanics is. So let me explain that. It's just the science of movement of a living body, right? So biomechanics looks into your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, and how everything is put together to 
help you get the coordinated movements that you do, like lifting the arm or kicking a ball. Mm, In terms okay. of head injuries, if you had enough knowledge about biomechanics, you could actually bring about some rule changes you know, in a particular sport because they could you could definitely use different tackle techniques, creating better helmets and productive gears. And that's where biomechanics is so critical in terms of head injuries. And that biomechanics also tells us that your brain has to move only about about seven millimeters wow. to have permanent damage. So when mm-hmm. we talk about wearing the the greatest helmets today, um, I'm not against wearing helmets. I do want parents to put on these product gears on their kids, but there's only a seven millimeter uh, drift in the structures that we need to cause any lacerations and uh, damage to the nerves. So that again comes from some knowledge into the biomechanics. But what's most important is the biomechanics of your neck. Your neck is the one that's holding your head and the helmet that you'll be wearing to play the sport. And if you've had a head impact or you've been struck by another player, there is a lot of instability in your neck, which could be explained, which is what we call an imbalance in the biomechanics. Wow. The ligaments sort of become really loose and there's a lot of instability because of that. Your muscles sort of go into a shutdown mode we call muscle inhibition. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to support your neck anymore. They want to fall asleep because they're hurting. There is a lot of important structures like your cranial nerves, which give you the sense of touch and smell and whatnot that are very closely associated with your neck. And they are responsible for a staggering number of vital functions. So they also do get affected. And what's happening with a lot of these um, baseline assessments, return to play protocols we, that are currently out there. Nobody's looking into this. Mm-hmm. They're not checking your neck. They're not checking your cranial nerves. They're not doing a very heavy assessment on that part before they send you back to play. And in my opinion, that makes you more vulnerable to a second con- you know, blow to the head, like a secondary concussion, just because now you have, you're not 100% yet. You could have been 100% if they looked into treating that neck problems, you know, maybe giving, getting the treatment uh, at a therapist where, you know, she could, he or she could help with waking these muscles that have been inhibited mm-hmm. uh, through modalities or, you know, therapy, um, strengthening programs. And, uh, you know, there are some problems with balance and coordination, your proprioceptive receptors also get inhibited. So you're feeling a little imbalanced. You don't have that confidence you you get a little dizzy sometimes all of which could be corrected if yeah biomechanical correction of the neck was taken into consideration interesting for kids what are major injuries they would see down the line if they didn't treat concussion so that's the funny part that's why you know they don't take concussions uh, seriously uh, because the immediate consequences are not that brutal you don't see some very heavy symptoms, you know, a mild headache here and there. In most cases, like 90% of cases, um, they don't even have any loss of consciousness. Yeah, or some people don't even know. Correct. It, they don't even know. So they probably, the, you know, if a child came home with a headache, headache is the most common symptom. Headaches are very common uh, right after uh, an impact. So if the child came home, saying I have a headache and you know I, I probably would suggest that the parent sort of trace it back to maybe a, a game the child had that evening as against being like you're probably just dehydrated just go to bed uh, because some symptoms only come occur later in life especially under 13 years of age 
your brain development is not complete and your frontal lobe is probably primarily affected and that's responsible for the executive functions, right? So your decision-making and your behaviors, your emotions, a lot of that doesn't seem like it's affected immediately. Um, but long-term consequences, yes, you'll have problem with reasoning, you'll have problem with paying attention, uh, you'll have problems with emotions, there'll probably be some difficulty with uh, behaviors in the society. All of that comes later because in kids, the development is not complete when they've actually sustained that injury. In terms of physical injuries, of course, um, it could go to the extent of um, fractures in the neck, fractures on the face. In terms of injuries in the brain, there could be the minimum lacerations and external injuries would be expected in some of the mild to moderate cases. And that's when there's increased swelling and cerebral, you know, like the fluid built up and all of that, the inflammation, which is then not looking good because that's like the really uh, severe end of uh, a concussion mm, injury. Interesting. Well, and as you move down the line, the more concussions you have, the worse it gets. I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it, but you're more likely to have problems with mental illness or, or what? what is it? What really do you suffer right. from multiple brain injuries? So if you've not recovered from the first injury and you kept on uh, playing and or you kept on uh, challenging yourself, the multiple injuries, the accumulation, uh, there is a term for it. It's basically um, second impact syndrome and the other thing, post-concussion okay. syndrome. So Post-concussion syndrome is uh, where you will see that so these symptoms are not, haven't recovered in the first 72 hours or the first two weeks. Like that's when you, if symptoms recover in the first 72 hours, uh, it probably was a mild case. But if they prolong after two weeks of you having had the primary symptoms, then you're looking at a whole bunch of different issues. And yes, you're correct. There are mental problems that ultimately do not, you, recovery becomes uh, very slow mm -hmm. and that is the bigger challenge mm -hmm. because you sort of fall into a vicious cycle of um poor mental uh, you know have you have mental difficulties uh poor eating habits or you are sleep deprived now you are looking to withdraw yourself from society because of all this you don't want to go back to playing you don't want to go back to uh studying you don't want to interact then it, the other uh effect is you start going taking medications right because you let that will help you with uh, probably some of uh, tackle some of these mental issues but we have to remember all of these medications do have side effects so we don't know how much of a favor we're doing on our kids by actually giving them these meds um, the natural way of recovering is of course much longer you need the right kind of social support you need the right kind of uh, social support not only from your family but you know from even everybody else, because you want to feel like you belong. Uh, so a lot of uh, players end up going into depression. Depression is very common. Sometimes the headaches become severe. Uh, they become migraines. Usually the two kinds of headaches are tension types or migraines. And those we know can be debilitating. Like they would yeah. really, if even if I didn't have any other problems and I solely had just the headaches, life would be difficult. Right. So just dealing with that and the other aspects of it uh, puts people into more uh, the sort of the mental illness just keeps getting mm -hmm. worse and then you're never going to come out of it unless you've taken some measures early on that's why you want to diagnose a concussion 
as early as possible. You don't want to wait for multiple injuries to be sustained and then it's too late to come out. Right. Well, and most of our NFL players, it has been too late and have realized the repercussions they've had to face because they haven't treated these head injuries. Correct. We probably want to reserve the aggression for only portions of the game. Uh, limiting contact hours, I think, is a great step. A very few school districts have initiated that during practice hours. Um, hopefully, you know, there are more people willing to come on board with the idea of reducing contact hours. Uh, there was this research study done which said that if contact uh, was reduced or eliminated, uh, it is estimated that nearly 50,000 fewer injuries would occur each year. We would have approximately 7,000 fewer concussions. Wow. Educating the coaches, educating the parents, teachers, everybody who's involved at school level, college level, any sports organization, I would say, everybody should be educated about the consequences and how we would all have to come on board and make compromises Mm -hmm. and change the rules and make it a safer game for the kids. Um, Just, you know, sometimes parents believe high risk activities are just how the game is played, Mm -hmm. but, you know, in practice, it's, you know, probably using a red card to punish activities that violate safety. Right. The other things I usually recommend my kid, my, my patients is, uh, getting therapy if even if there's been the mildest injury a lot of times your reaction time is plays a major role in minimizing the risk of concussion if you have quick reaction time guaranteed you're going to be a better player on the field and you will be able to sort of prevent that injury from happening to mm-hmm. begin with so better reaction time so a lot of coach like we have a lot of uh pts that participate in uh, reaction time training for okay. these kids and you know you just have to be go out in your neighborhood like go out in your community and look for these uh, for these kinds of services yeah, the resources are there right they, they are and if they are not speak with you you know speak up as a parent I would be like talk to your coaches speak to the athletic director maybe get them to incorporate some of these um, therapies in their se- sessions so we know we have the players are much more prepared for the game. Mm-hmm. Why aren't these brain injuries taken seriously? I'm surprised too. Like, you know, I, you walk into a class and everybody's talking about how oh, my kid shouldn't become a drug addict or my kid should not be smoking cigarettes or, uh, in, you know, my kid should not get an S- have STDs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really funny how this is one of the bigger problems in our society today and nobody's taking it seriously. Um, I would say there is lack of awareness. That is one reason why it's sort of not taken seriously because I think nobody wants to talk Mm -hmm. about it. The other reason I believe is because of the symptoms not being so obviously dangerous looking in the initial phase. Um, Unless your child has dropped down, you know, is unconscious, you're not a mother who's going to take this Right, and then it's almost too late. Right. Then you're like, forget it. Just go back to doing what you're doing. Uh, you will be fine. Guess what? The chemical changes in the brain have already occurred and they're just about to get worse if the child goes back to playing. So the only the fact that you don't see some very obvious um, symptoms or signs in the initial phases does not mean you want to overlook these things. What's your current return to play protocol for concussions? Right. So honestly speaking, currently there isn't a 
the American Academy of Pediatrics, they have adopted a return mm-hmm. to play protocol, but it is still confusing and vague. Because, you know why? Because it's not sports specific. So how would you amend it? Like, let's say to football specifically. Right. So it depends. The return to play progression should always be individualized mm. because you have to incorporate the individual's past medical history if it was related to that specific injury and also how the child or the athlete is responding or progressing with the return to play protocol that you have. So okay. uh, I would say, yes, make it individualized, take a detailed medical history. And then the usual steps I would follow would be physical and mental rest has been the cornerstone of treatment. But then you also want to incorporate some light aerobic exercises during initial stages just to get some of that uh, recovery process started. And that would pretty much be followed by some sport-specific training, um, depending on what sport you're going to return to, followed by some drills. You could have non-contract drills just to make it easier on them, followed by some contact drills, and then control full contact activity, and then full return to play. This is usually the protocol of return to play, but of course, before that, you assess to see if the player is is even ready to follow this protocol. So for that, I I coined BRAIN, Mm -hmm. which I believe will test the player in every which way, not just the neurocognitive testing, but every other kind of testing as well, uh, to ensure safety when we return them to play. So BRAIN is uh, something I'm working on, uh, which stands for B, Mm -hmm. uh, will be biomechanical correction and balance training. R stands for reassessment of baseline testing, A stands for agility testing and uh, aerobic capacity testing. I would be imaging like x-rays or anything to ensure we are not um, missing out on those mm-hmm. x-rays of, of broken bones and would be, you know, you know, the neurocognitive testing, which is a big one out there right. and nutrition. Yeah. Because nutrition, people forget that, you know, you have to, you'll probably benefit from following a certain diet mm. if you sustain a concussion, if you, and you want to recover quickly. So nobody talks nutrition either. Huh. So I believe brain should be part of every, every school or every sports organizations. Uh, it should be the return to play assessment protocol for every kid. All right, back to the show in a bit. But remember how I was telling you about Quick Track at the beginning of the podcast? Well, I just want to remind you, if you didn't download it before, go do it now. It's a free app that is the total freelancer solution to connect, agree, and get paid. With plug-and-play templates, Quick Track is your simple solution to getting things in writing without the heavy-handedness that comes along with all those traditional contracts we hate. It doesn't matter who you are, what your business is, Quick Track is your easy solution. Download the QuickTrack app in your app store today for free. QuickTrack, Q-U-I-K-T-R-A-C-T, QuickTrack. Now, back to the show. Well, let's talk about your book because it's even more exciting that you have got words on pages to educate our entire world about this problem. So it's called Concussion and Sports. So you are educating parents, athletes, people, in every realm of athletics. Um, where'd you get the idea to write the book? Again, I would go back to uh, these um, my pension for research and clinical uh-huh. studies. Uh, really, I 
wanted to do research about something. And after I started meeting with these parents and I started meeting with these physicians, we were all like head injuries is becoming a problem. Right. <laughs> we really need to do something about educating people because there's only so much I can do when I educate my parents, you know, the parents that are walking into my clinic, there's only so much I can do. Uh, I could, I, I went to some of the schools and I spoke to parents at schools, but that's where the idea struck that I could probably just put everything down in a book uh-huh. and then use the book as a manual, as a Bible, literally to just go back to each time they've had, they have any questions uh, related to head injuries. And that's where the inspiration came from. And uh, more than 200 papers were researched um, before um, authoring the book. And I believe the language that I've used is also, I, I believe we don't want to intimidate the, the masses. We don't want to scare people away. So there is no, not so much I could of, read it. Correct. <laughs> you, could, you, could, you know, you'll go past third page. <laughs> awesome. It's not technical. It's, it's very colloquial. And but at the same time, it has every bit of information you will need uh, in order to understand what a head injury or a concussion is. Mm-hmm. Sounds like we should call your next book a brain injury Bible. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you should get on <laughs> trademarking on that now. <laughs> I, I'm all, I'm already working on my second book. Um, it should be out. Uh, probably in by next year but uh it has uh yeah that probably has uh, some topics that are a little more on the heavier side but you can start off with this one and yeah. i'm sure you look forward to the next one wow that's so exciting um where can people find your book so i have uh my a free uh resource is my my blogging website it's uh www.concussiontalks dot com and it does have a call for action button on that you could definitely go to the website and buy the book or it's also available on amazon so relatable to everybody on every level well Nancy, it was so awesome talking to you i can't wait to read your book and for all you guys out there, make sure you grab her book on her website or on Amazon. Thank, I would thank you first for having me as a oh, guest yeah. because I think it's a great platform for me to spread awareness. Just get out there and start educating the people. So I would definitely want people, if they have any questions, uh, there's an email address on my website. Definitely. If they have any, you know, any questions related to anything, they could always shoot me an email and I'll be more than happy to reach out to them uh, and give them answers uh, to the best of my abilities and yeah being a physical therapist I definitely do advocate that we do play a very very important role in concussion recovery but many people know that and the more people get aware of this I believe they'll make more frequent visits to therapy you know for therapies because they will realize what a big difference it makes so definitely get a copy of the book and Uh, Like I said, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Can't wait and looking forward to it. The conversation continues with Dr. Mansi Vackel in our next bonus mini-sode of Fresh Squeeze. We're talking everything concussion CTE in the NFL. Plus, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about next week's exciting guest on the show. But before you go, make sure you subscribe, rate, give us a little review. Uh, We'd love to hear from you.